Today's episode tackles a sensitive topic. We have to realize that people in positions of spiritual leadership are broken human beings like we are, but the added expectations and visibility can leave them more vulnerable to problems with infidelity and pornography. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a protective episode for you this week. This is episode number 249. And today we're going to be talking about why church leaders are vulnerable to infidelity and pornography and what to do about it. So the goal here is to help people in leadership really be proactive about preventing moral failure that could devastate their ministry. We're going to talk about the psychology of leaders, so that should be interesting. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed how shame perpetuates porn addiction. That's worth going back and checking out if you or someone in your life is facing that challenge. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. Mm-hmm. So, Verlinda, can you tell us a little bit about Puerto Rico? Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I said that right, but Puerto Rico, is that how we're going to say Puerto that? Puerto Rico is one of the stops on our 2020 marriage cruise. February 15 is the departure date for that. You can learn more about it at christianmarriagecruise.com. We've been going through some of the sessions in previous episodes. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the port of Puerto Rico. Okay, so San Juan is actually the port. Okay. It is our first stop. So day two on the ship is actually a sea day as we sail all the way down. That's our longest leg of the journey. Yep, with two sessions on that day for the retreat part. Actually one. One? Yep. But then there's two the next day because we don't dock in San Juan until 3.30 p.m. So it's kind of an evening stop, which is really cool. So 3.30 to 11 p.m. is our stop. Um, There's lots of different activities. Puerto Rico is one of the largest islands in the Eastern Caribbean, and the old San Juan is one of the first cities to be established in the New World. So tons of history. Historical stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, you can spend the afternoon snorkeling, take an evening sail around old San Juan, you know, to catch amazing views of this 500-year-old walled city at sunset. That sounds romantic. I know. I think I need you to take me on that. But then if you're more adventurous, you can navigate through the tunnels and the dungeons and the barracks of these older people who are dead now, Mm. or the city walls, or explore the historical forts that were built to protect the island during the Spanish occupation. So there's lots to do in Puerto Uh, Rico. Really cool. Yeah, it does sound cool. A lot of nature and history and all that together and beauty in one spot. Yeah. Sweet. Well, that's making me looking forward to that. Yeah. And that's right after our sex ed for experienced couples session on the ship. I see. Not that that's related at all, but that's just the order of things of the day. I was trying to get the connection there. (laughs) I don't know why I told you that. It was just written down, down on my paper. So anyways, that's Puerto Rico. If you're struggling with your marriage... (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm glad you just launched into the next point because my head was going into all sorts of places that aren't suitable for a public podcast. Okay. Well, we offer sound research-based advice and most of all, we offer hope for your marriage. So Absolutely. our topic today, Caleb, it, yeah. it's not quite as exciting. And no, but helpful. it is. So, uh, you know, our prayer for this is a protective one that would prevent mm-hmm. stuff. So it's good to know weak spots, blind spots, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Okay. So I just talked about 
let's get into our topic here. Yep. So Caleb, how common is this problem? The well, vulnerability of church leaders? To this, well, the vulnerability is 100%. But right. The, okay, uh, the infidelity, maybe is what yes. I should have said. Yeah, sure. In one survey that was conducted, 33% of pastors have crossed the line with a woman, not their spouse, but have not been caught. So then how do they know that? Anonymous survey. In another survey of 1,000 uh, respondents showed that one in nine pastors had committed adultery. Similar findings were discovered in a survey of 277 Southern Baptist pastors. Approximately 14% were involved in some type of inappropriate sexual activity. About 10% disclosed they'd had a sexual relationship with either a present or former member of the church. Wow. So that's on the, the physical slash adultery side. Pornography is also an issue. Christianity Today did a survey of pastors and discovered that 18% of the pastors visit a pornographic site at least twice a month with some visiting more than once a week. Wow. So it's an issue there as well. And, yeah. you know, we don't, you know, mention these stats to try to slam people in positions of responsibility, but... And you don't need to go on a witch hunt or... No. No. But God always uses broken people. And um, if you're in these behaviors or at risk of these behaviors, or even if you think you're not, this is why we're doing this today is we really want to talk about what motivates male infidelity, especially in positions of leadership. Okay. To try to prevent or, or help people. Okay. So what does motivate it? So we're going to... I'm going to talk about man and infidelity mostly. We didn't have a lot of research come up for the infidelity of female leaders. Oh, okay. Okay. Men who, and so we'll just ask folks to translate that if you're a, if you're a woman in some kind of a leadership role in, in a denomination or something, just try to translate this as best you can and we'll beg your forgiveness for that. Men who find themselves in infidelity can be motivated by a number of different factors. Any one of the ones that I'm going to list now or even a combination of them, of course, mm -hmm. or even some others. Things are, that are common though are things like power. It can be a motivating factor, opportunity, narcissism, a desire for instant gratification, absence of discipline or self-control, false feelings of invincibility, delusions of grandeur, like thinking I'm the man, mm -hmm. corroding family or marriage relationships, justifying selfish choices based on lack of sex within the marriage. Hmm. So those can all be contributing factors, right? And I think it's generally recognized that for pastors or clergy that this is a very busy group of people. They can find it hard to make time to relax at home. Often there is a spoken or probably more often an unspoken expectation from the congregation that the local church is his first priority, even before his own family mm -hmm. or the well-being of his marriage. I mean, I don't think people come out and say that, but the demands placed on you communicate that, right? Right. But I don't think anybody's actually thinking that even. Yeah. Like consciously but subconsciously. Yeah. So if you get long hours and you put into that context, long hours of work along with a real sense of calling to that work, you may not have at the end of the day a lot to bring home in terms of mm -hmm. emotional or intellectual intimacy. Mm -hmm. The connection with his spouse, his wife could easily fade over time. And, and also like, remember that this is a guy who's hearing about heartaches, concerns all day. And this requires a lot of emotional investment and sometimes like even a remarkable amount of emotional investment. Yeah. And quite possibly many of those emotional burdens are carried in confidence. So he may not be free to share them at home. And not only that, in many cases, intimate details being shared to him. So it may be possible for him if he doesn't maintain his professional position to reciprocate with intimate details. I don't necessarily mean sexual here, but I mean very personal. personal. Okay? okay. And then like an emotional relationship can begin, emotional connection, and then some kind of an extramarital, extramarital relationship can take off on him without intending to. So it's not like he's necessarily seeking these opportunities. Not necessarily. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it, and that's the thing about the witch hunt thing that you mentioned earlier is we're not, we don't want to paint a picture of like, you know, men just waiting to break out. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. Like there's or thousands of or... sincere. Yeah. There's the odd predator, mm -hmm. but there's thousands of sincere, well-meaning people. Mm -hmm. And 
a good percentage of them fall into this problem. Okay. Yeah. Now, for some of the, even in that crowd, uh, there is a particular challenge around narcissism. And this was interesting to come across in more recent research. Uh, a study as late as 2018 has showing that the evidence that narcissism levels have been increasing in Western society over the past few decades. I think people have been mm-hmm. seeing that informally. It's beginning to be documented more formally. And it's not uncommon for people with these traits or even the full-blown narcissistic personality disorder to end up in leadership, right? Mm-hmm. So just pay attention through with this definition here for narcissism. This is from a couple of researchers, Campbell and Miller in 2011. They stated that pathological narcissism is characterized as an impairment in the ability to manage and satisfy needs for validation and admiration. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you can't kind of manage or contain that, your need for validation and admiration. So that self-enhancement becomes an overriding goal. I need to be seen as larger mm-hmm. in nearly all situations and may be sought in manipulative ways and in inappropriate contexts. Okay. So it's looking to get these needs of the ego met in ways that are not bonafide. Okay. There's a lot in that. Yeah. It's a packed definition, but you can also see how a leader with these traits then is especially vulnerable to an affair. And unfortunately, research of some clergy populations shows higher than average levels of narcissism. And I'm not targeting these particular denominations. They just happen to have done research on it. A sample of United Methodist clergy showed a higher than average level of narcissism. A study of clergy in the Presbyterian Church of Canada found 31.2% of the 210 clergy members in that group would likely have a diagnosable narcissistic personality disorder. I wonder who did the research for this. Like, I guess it doesn't really matter, but... Why is that amusing you? (laughs) Is someone sitting in church going like, I'm sure this guy's a narcissist. I'm going to find out how many clergy in our church is a narcissist. I can start, I don't know, just seems so bizarre that you would... Just target that one. Pick a church and see if they're narcissistic. Okay, yeah. And we're not picking on the, the United Methodists or the Presbyterians here. That just happens to be what we found in the research. Right, yeah. So, it, you know, if those percentages are there, they're probably pretty much level across. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so narcissism, yeah, we see it. It's an issue. How does that leave a person particularly vulnerable? Yeah. Okay. Well, and this gets interesting. If you like psychology, you'll really dig this kind of stuff. So a uh, researcher in 2007 pointed out that pathological narcissism in clergy is connected to empathic perspective taking, meaning... <laughs> Just yeah. translate it. Go ahead. Okay. Meaning that <laughs> pastors in this situation, this is another weirdo sitting in a congregation is what you're thinking, uh-huh. right? Pastors in this situation may extend to their parishioner a great deal of empathy. And this affirms the narcissistic need for affirmation in the pastor when the parishioner gives out or responds with something like, you know, pastor, you're so helpful. I don't know how I could make it through this without you. Mm, That just like blows up the ego. Yes. There's nothing that that, you know, starved ego would want to hear more than words like that, all done in a spiritual, moralistic context. Right. But I mean, anybody might feel that way. Right. And it's not wrong to give empathy. It's not wrong for the person to express their gratitude, their appreciation for Mm -hmm. the help. We should be more grateful towards people that support us spiritually, right? Yeah. But I'm just saying you can see how the narcissistic needs are being met in tangible ways in a pastoring context, which is why that personality might get drawn to this role. Oh, okay. Okay. Does that make sense? I see where you're going now. Yeah. 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 Now, associated with narcissism as well is low self-esteem. And this was documented by Carnes in 2001. Low self-esteem? Yes. They're trying to compensate for that. That's the point of narcissism is the fragile, damaged, starved ego. Really? Needs to be compensated for. By, oh, I thought they had an ego that was way too big. 
Well, that's trying to feed the, the appetite is way too big is maybe a better way. Yeah. Yeah. So if you take a person who's convinced that his worth is based on what he accomplishes or how he performs, he's looking for external sources of validation Mm -hmm. then, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the consequences of this low, this kind of low self-esteem is that he's unlikely to entrust himself to the care or concern of others who may be closest to him. I can't show you that I don't have it all together because what if you reject me? Yeah. Okay. So instead, it would be easier to have a relationship with someone who's perceived to be less threatening or demanding or someone with whom you can relax more easily. How do you relax more easily with someone not your family? No, no, no. It's like, it's like um, I can present the idealized version of myself to this other random person who can't call me out on it, i.e. Oh. like an affair partner who just sees oh, me for oh, oh, oh. a few heated moments once in a while, right? Okay. That kind of thing. So it's quite a simple setup in that way, and it's frightening, right? Mm-hmm. And that, so that's, that's the role of narcissism. So we're just saying, yeah, there's, you know, again, not all pastors are narcissists, not all narcissists are pastors, not everybody with low self-esteem has narcissism. So we don't want to make any unnecessary connections here, but there is a larger than normal number of people in spiritual leadership who have narcissistic traits or personality disorders. Okay. And these are the reasons why they may be in that role and at the same time may be vulnerable to infidelity. Okay. 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 So... We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back to some more sort of ordinary common factors, if you will. But once again, we have created a bonus worksheet for this episode. This particular one is especially for people in ministry. It steps you through the discussion with your own spouse as to what the boundaries are that you want to set around your marriage. So this is preventative, Mm -hmm. especially in the context of doing ministry work. And it's a key discussion to have in order to set the expectations to know what you need to do to preserve your marriage so that you can preserve the legacy of your ministry as well. And okay. you can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We'll take a 60-second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to The Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about narcissism. Now we're going to look at other vulnerability factors. So Caleb, this bonus worksheet, like if someone's not in ministry work or a pastor or something, like is this something that they could print out and give to their pastor? Yeah. 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 I mean, you probably just want to do it with this sort of, you know, we we love you and we want to help you maintain your legacy or something like that. Not like Preserve your, yeah. Not the evil eye. Make sure you do this kind of thing. Yeah. Because we're watching you. Yeah. Friendly accountability. Okay. Maybe. And and again, I should mention here, the goal is not to create panic, but just no. to be aware of our own blind spots when we know them and when we can honestly acknowledge them, then we're in a very capable position of protecting ourselves, our marriages. Mm-hmm. Not knowing your blind spots or not knowing your weaknesses only leaves you much more vulnerable and exposed. Mm-hmm. And so some of those blind spots are Poor personal adjustment or poor marital adjustment or lack of intimacy. 
Okay. So let me talk about those three and then a couple little details after that. So what is personal adjustment? It's just like how well you feel like you're doing. Okay. You know, if we talk about someone that being really well adjusted, it just means they're adaptable and mm. they're kind of whatever, Okay, right? okay, yeah. So if you feel unsuccessful in your calling, either perceived as unsuccessful, like you're just hard on yourself or mm-hmm. real, like you've had a hard time, mm-hmm. it's possible that sexuality can become a means of attempting to feel more powerful or more effective or to project a powerful self-image. So for example, a pastor struggling with feelings of pain, loneliness, vulnerability, may go to great lengths to receive affirmations of success or competence. Or they may pursue the intoxication, the numbing effects of intense pleasure and specialness that an affair or pornography consumption may try to bring. Okay. Right? And there could also be things like deeply buried mother hunger. This hunger may target a particular female parishioner. And really, these kinds of possibilities indicate that the person in spiritual leadership has deeper wounds that have not been brought to Christ for healing. Maybe... um, likely he has not walked through them with competent counsel. And so due to this lack of personal adjustment, he's more vulnerable to infidelity and pornography. Okay. So personal adjustment plays a role. Okay. Basically, we're just saying my baggage could leave me more vulnerable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So are you going to get into like what to do about this before we end? Okay. Yeah. And then the next one is marital adjustment. So while the previous issues may have nothing to do with deficiencies in marriage, there's also the reality that nobody's marriage is great all the time. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Humility for Linda. And the demands of that particular kind of work, that puts an additional strain on marriage. They're living in a fishbowl. Yes. They have high expectations from others. They have a very busy schedule. They have little downtime or just time to be with one another. So those kind of demands put more strain on a marriage. Yes. Okay. In a survey published in Leadership Magazine, 41% of the 300 respondents, all of whom were pastors, who reported sexual contact, reported marital dissatisfaction as the second most frequent factor that led to relationships outside marriage. And it's Hmm. not saying that it was the wife's fault, although some of the men may say it was. Right. Well, they're just not taking responsibility for their own actions at that point. It is saying that nearly half of them really felt the dissatisfaction in their marriage, Mm -hmm. and that left them vulnerable to thinking, the kind of thinking that justifies an affair. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that okay to say it like that? Yeah, I think so. So the simple lesson here is is that it's especially crucial to take care of relationships in the home in order to be prepared to care for the church mm-hmm. and not the other way around. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's marital adjustment. Yeah. And along the same lines as the lack of intimacy thing. So a huge risk factor is not feeling emotionally or physically close to your spouse. Again, from Karn's studies, pastors would like their wives to be interested in their work. They want to communicate with them on an intellectually stimulating level. They want to share their feelings about what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And they want affirmation and encouragement and emotional support from their wives. Is this not like normal though? Yeah, I think a lot of wives want this too. But it really requires a great deal of intentionality to make sure that that happens, that that remains consistent in the marriage, especially again in the extra challenges of a pastoral kind of marriage. Okay. Or a missionary marriage even, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or even the, like the fact that some things will be confidential. Yeah. And then you can't share them and... Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So... And then there's other factors to consider. Like many people in the helping professions, pastors frequently come from dysfunctional families. This kind of ties all these pieces together, maybe back to the personal adjustment bit. But this was pretty interesting a study from 1998. Uh, they frequently come from dysfunctional families with attaching, attachment and nurturing needs left unmet. So if you look at some correlations specifically, 
91% of cheating pastors came from chronic dysfunctional families. 83% of the families had chronic emotional disorders. Wow. 66% had experienced substance abuse. 58% of families were involved in affairs that resulted in having illegitimate children. So this is like historical generational okay. stuff here too, right? 50% of these cheating pastors had episodes of physical violence in their family of origin. 25% were troubled with incest. 8% had problems with chronic gambling. So they're coming out of very broken homes right. into significant positions of responsibility. Oh. Some cheating pastors, not all pastors. Yeah. Okay. Well, 91%. Many cheating pastors. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah right? Okay. So how does that tie into the lack of intimacy? Nothing. This is sort of just some other anecdotal stuff I wanted to tack on the end before I moved on to the next section. Oh, yep. okay. Okay. Not anecdotal, but um, assorted bits. Right. <laughs> Miscellaneous. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we talked about risk factors for pastors and let's also remember that pastors' wives uh-huh. have an increase in pressure when their husbands have an increase in challenges. Or responsibilities. Yes. So the fishbowl effect, the feeling of entrapment in that context, like I can't get out of the fishbowl, they can promote a decline in the wife's faith, her morals, her love for the Lord. Wow. Wives in this context are very visible in terms of appearance and the roles that they play, but they aren't really known on a personal heart level. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yes. And they too can be at risk. So one survey showed that as many 60% of pastors' wives work outside the home to help with the family income. That's all that the survey showed, okay? Okay. But it's almost two-thirds. But because of the pressures they carry, so on the pastoral wife side of things, and because they're outside of the home, it could leave them vulnerable to attention from men outside the marriage too. I'm not saying they should stay at home. Oh, that's what I wondered. Yeah. But I'm just saying like you could easily have this other life very, very easily. Mm. Okay, okay. Because, I mean, that pit, I just have a lot of empathy for that fishbowl thing. Yep. That's tough. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how to buffer your marriage okay. against infidelity before we wrap up. So this is the proactive part now. Yes. So we've spent a lot of time looking at risk factors because those are where the blind spots are. But I have a list of recommendations for healthy boundaries. Many of these are familiar or logical, but just in case there's some you haven't considered. Number one, stay strong in your relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So is this your stuff or is this actual research? Uh, Again, from a study from 2004. Okay. uh, Things that are working well to help people. Number two, cultivate healthy relationships at home, including full person intimacy with your spouse. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an obvious response to a lot of what we've been talking about, but really kind of intentionally prioritizing that. Yep. If you do run into marriage struggles, get help as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. In another town, if necessary, because of the fishbowl effect or using online counseling. Mm-hmm. So I do get, sometimes we have pastoral people contacting us because it's a way for them, you know, in a, in a right. smaller area to get counseling without feeling like, you know, 400 people just watched me walk into the counselor's <laughs> office. Right. Work with your congregation to build in time for your wife and family and really making it clear that your home life is the foundation of healthy ministry. So that's kind of very, it's not like trying to secretively or furtively hide away time for your family. But really sort of, you know, you all need to be on the same page here or we're going to have a bigger problem mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. stuff, right? And then even that is like showing the, it's like leading Modeling. by example. Modeling. Yes. yes. Yeah. Number five, put safeguards in place on your interactions with members of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. And just watch very, very carefully when you find yourself wanting to adjust those. Talk about the adjustments. You may need to make the odd adjustment. Like it's good to have sort of a blanket set of rules about things you won't do. Right. Okay. Right? But in the very odd time, there may be a context where 
you need to adjust one of those boundaries temporarily or something. And I would say that's okay as long as either your wife or your pastoral team is aware and you're very above board and you're kind of checking in and out of that experience with someone. So there's accountability. If it's okay. a boundary you have established with your wife, you should probably clarify it with her as well. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, if she finds out, even though you're intending to be uh, above board by talking to maybe a team member, mm, yeah. it could still come across as a betrayal. Okay. But yeah, so have good safeguards. Number six, find a mentor or a counselor that you can debrief with on a regular basis. So you got to download to somebody too. Mm-hmm. Number seven, avoid sharing personal challenges about your marriage with coworkers, especially of the opposite sex. Yeah. Number eight, review your emotional state regularly and specifically evaluate how you're being intimate or close with others. Okay. Both for good or for bad. Like, do you have healthy, close, same sex? Oh, relationships. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like some real or, bro friends, right? Yeah. Or are you getting too close to another female? That's what you mean by good and bad. Good and bad. Yeah. Okay. If you recognize narcissistic traits, mother hunger, other emotional vulnerabilities, uh, brokenness in your family of origin that you know you have effects from. Mm-hmm pursue healing. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. important. It will make you a more useful servant as well for the Lord's service toward right. others. Right. Uh, but most importantly, it's a way of safeguarding yourself and your ministry hmm. and your family too. Yeah. Um, and I do believe that this kind of work goes hand in hand with the process of sanctification. Okay. Yeah. Cause God is out, you know, God's plan for salvation is not just to, to bail us out of hell. It's not just a ticket out of, right. you know, get out of jail free, but it really is, uh, the goal of conforming us to the image of his son, and that includes healing for woundedness. Yeah. So a lot of these buffers, I mean, these are good for everybody. Yes. Not just pastors. Yeah, but absolutely. if you're a pastor, if you're kind of in the fishbowl of ministry, then you need to kind of be extra proactive because of those challenges and demands yeah. on you and your marriage and your family. Precisely. Okay, good. Well, we'd like to thank those of you who became patrons between this recording and our previous one. We had Pamela and Chris and Bella. So thank you for your support. Thank you to all our patrons mm-hmm. who are so loyal. We just want to say thanks. Yep. Next week. Yeah, next week we're talking about how prayer impacts marriage. Um, and as always, we're going to have some fascinating research to go over. Huh, I know that uh, surprised. When I first went into counseling, it was one thing that surprised me when I started going through some research is that there's a, actually quite a bit of research on prayer. Really? Yeah. Cool. Well, that is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 249. Find out how you can help, go to oif.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oif.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.